0: A very good morning to you and welcome to Brighton Baptist Church. A happy new year to you. Thank you for joining us here in person or online. Here we go. Shall I do it again? <laughs> That's all right. That's okay. Delighted to see you. Happy new year. Can I just remind you that we have Alpha meeting at our house Friday nights starting the 2nd of February, running through February and March. You're very welcome to come and join us. If you've done Alpha before and seen the videos, we will be giving the talks in person this time, so it'll be a bit different, might be worth doing it again. But if you could join us, please do let me know. Our call to worship is taken from Psalm 17. I pray to you, God, because you will help me. Listen and answer my prayer. Show your wonderful love. Your mighty arm protects those who run to you for safety from their enemies. Protect me as you would your very own eyes. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Let's stand and sing together. Bring to the Lord a glad new song. And after this, there's an opportunity if you want to bring an open prayer of praise or thanksgiving, speak briefly and loudly. Let's just declare God's goodness and thank him for uh, his love towards us. Bring to the Lord a glad new song. Mm to god please do so lead us in prayers of praise and thanksgiving to god lord at the start of a new year we thank you to your faithfulness in the past and we put our confidence in you for the coming year because your steadfast love never wavers. amen Dear Lord, I thank you for your love and your mercy in my life. And I thank you for healing uh, last week, a hand of healing on my life. Amen. Father, we praise you and thank you for medical workers, doctors and nurses. And all the hard work they do, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, thank you for your promise of sheltering us under
1: the shadow of your wing. Amen. amen. Lord, I thank you for any help during times of stress, Lord, I thank you for any help during the <coughs> time.
2: <coughs> thank you for the glorious sunshine this morning which lifts our hearts. Amen. Amen
0: thank you lord even when the crowds in life come over us we know that your sun shines through and you bless us every day whether sunny or cloudy thank you lord amen thank you. thank you Lord, for the promise
1: that you do exceedingly more than all we ask or imagine
0: father we pray for israel we pray for the peace of israel we pray for the protection the idea. And we pray for you to bring peace to this land. Father, we pray for your anointing on this land. And we pray, Father, you you bring an end to the terrors which are being perpetrated by the mass on the land of Israel at this time. In Jesus' name, Amen. Father God, we praise you because you've shown us what you are like in Jesus' and coming among us. Amen. Amen.
2: Thank you Lord for those who encourage us along the way, for people to travel alongside us, and hold your light in this world through acts of kindness.
0: Amen. Amen. Father, we want to thank you for one another, thank you that we are able to gather together, have that freedom and safety to do so in our land. We do remember our brothers and sisters around the world who do not enjoy such freedoms. We pray that you would bless them and watch over them and provide for each of them. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together in every day, let's <coughs> believe it? Do you feel it? One of the pictures we have of God is God as judge. And the thing about judge is that it needs to be impartial. Love cannot interfere with the process of dispensing justice. But God is love. God loves his people with a passion. So what kind of judge is he? And that is not the best picture of God as judge. If, if we turn to one of the Psalms, we see this is what God's justice is like. This is how God tells judges to act. Defend the weak, the poor and the fatherless. Maintain the rights of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. That is God's mandate to those responsible for justice in the world. So when we appeal to God, we are asking him to set right what is wrong in our lives, in our church, in our world, in our community. We might pray a prayer such as this on the screen, May God vindicate me and put my enemies to shame. Or the opening words of Psalm 17, Lord, consider my just cause. Pay attention to my cry for help. Listen to the prayer I sincerely offer. Make a just decision on my behalf. Decide what is right. When we find ourselves in a situation where things are wrong, where things aren't going right for us, or when we look in a situation where there is injustice, we cry out to God to set it right. That is what the God of justice does. And God is the kind of judge who gets involved who doesn't sit and just pass judgment from a distance. God comes amongst us. He comes alongside you to vindicate you, to stand beside you, to stand up to defend you, to protect you as he would the apple of his eye. This, this is the kind of God ju- judge God is. This is the God who's passionate about his people. This is the kind of justice that's in his heart. And if, he, if you belong to him, He wants you to share that passion for justice. He wants you to be the kind of person who just doesn't stand by and let bad things happen. He wants you to be the kind of person who will stand up for those who need support. That's the kind of person God wants you to be in this coming year. Someone who shares his passion for justice, for fairness, for what is right. It's on God's heart. It should be on our heart as well for 2024. So I'm going to lead us in a responsive prayer and when I say Lord can I invite you to respond by saying forgive us and change us. Lord forgive us and change us. So when justice should begin with us but doesn't Lord forgive us and change us. When compassion should begin with us but doesn't. Lord forgive us and change us. When unity should begin with us and doesn't. Lord forgive us and change us. Where understanding should begin with us but doesn't, Lord forgive us and change us. When hospitality should begin with us, but doesn't, Lord forgive us and change us. When welcome should begin with us, and doesn't, Lord forgive us and change us when kindness should begin with us, but doesn't. Lord, forgive us and change us. And lastly, when hope should begin with us, but doesn't. Lord, forgive us and change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus Christ is waiting, waiting in the streets. Let's stand and sing together. opening of a new year, we come to worship you. And some of us are afraid of what the future may bring. Some of us are optimistic as we anticipate good things ahead. Some of us know we need to turn over a new leaf. And there are things we need to leave behind us. But however we're feeling we approach you with reverence and humility and trust and worship. We know that there are times when we haven't heard your voice or we've heard your voice and we haven't followed your call. There are times when we've judged others harshly for their faith or their lack of faith. Times when we've been slow to acknowledge when we were wrong. Forgive us. Forgive us and set for us a path of redemption in this coming (coughs) year. To be a kinder voice to others. To have a kinder mindset when we think of others. A kinder voice when we speak to others and to ourselves. And thank you, gracious God, that this redemption is ours in Christ Jesus. And this new life, a new year, is ready for us to take up because it is your gift. Help us to recognise and heed your voice guiding us. And we commit our way to you. We commit this coming year to you. And we put our trust in you all that it may bring, and for all that you will do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Reflect on Jesus' call as we stand to sing, Will you come and follow me, if I but call your name. Isaiah chapter 42 verses 1 to 12. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets A bruised reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. (coughs) In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged until he establishes justice on the earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says, the creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. See? The former things have taken place, and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you islands and all that live in them, let the wilderness and its towns raise their voices. Let the settlements where Kedar lives rejoice. Let the people of Selah sing for joy. Let them shout from the mountaintops. Let them give glory to the Lord and proclaim his praise in the islands. Amen. Think of that vision of God's praise coming up from around the world. And we're going to use that to lead us in prayer. We're going to use a prayer, first of all, from Central America, it's an adaptation of the lord's prayer reflects their longing for justice and then we'll follow that with wider (coughs) prayers of concern for the world let's pray our father who is in us here on earth holy is your name in the hungry who share their bread and their song, your kingdom come. A generous land where confidence and truth reign. Let us do your will. Bring a cool breeze for those who sweat. You are giving us our daily bread when we manage to get back our lands or get a fairer wage. Forgive us for keeping silent in the face of injustice and for burying our dreams. Don't let us fall into the same temptation of taking up the same arms as the the enemy, but deliver us from the evil which disunites us. We shall have believed in humanity and life, and we shall have known your kingdom, which is being built forever and ever. Amen. And Jesus, we turn to you, the King of the poor, and we pray that you would shield today those who are imprisoned without charge. those who've disappeared. Cast a halo of your presence around those who groan in sorrow or pain. Protect those whose livelihoods are threatened. Encourage those forbidden to worship. Encompass your little ones gone hungry to sleep, cold and fitfully waking. Guide your witnesses for peace. Safeguard your workers for justice. Encircle us with your power. Encompass us with your grace. Embrace your dying ones. Support your weary ones. Calm your frightened ones. And as the sun scatters the mist on the hills, bring us to a new dawn when all shall freely sit at table in your kingdom, rejoicing in a God who saves them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And would you bring us our reading from Psalm 37, please? Thank you. Psalm 37, verses 1 to
2: 11. (laughs) Fret not yourself because of evildoers, be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. (coughs) Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace.
0: Let's stand and sing together. God is working his purpose out as year succeeds to year. Sundays in January, we're going to be exploring what Thomas Aquinas called the four cardinal virtues. That's not a particularly helpful description to us because we think of cardinals, we think of people who elect the Pope in Rome. But the word cardinal actually has to do with hinges. If something is cardinal, it is of central importance because everything else hinges upon it. So the four cardinal virtues of justice, courage, and self-control and wisdom are pivotal because Aquinas felt that you could derive all the other virtues from them. They are foundational to living a good life, or so Aquinas argued. Thomas Aquinas didn't invent them, he was responsible in the medieval, medieval times for integrating the philosophy of Aristotle with Christian theology, that was his great contribution Christian culture and it was the Greek philosopher Aristotle who inspired the idea of virtue ethics saying that when it comes to deciding what the right thing to do is, you don't want a book of rules and regulations, a good person will do the right thing because they have instilled within them the wisdom and the discipline to act in accordance with the key virtues which over time they have cultivated in their lives. It's about being a good person and acting in accordance with that goodness and that virtue. So living a good life is not about keeping a lot of rules. It's about developing those inner qualities which enable you to discern the right course of action and then to put it into practice. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He inscribes God's laws, God's values, God's principles, God's love in our hearts right living starts with who you are and a good person will have cooperated with the holy spirit so that they've incorporated those virtues into their psyche so that becomes part of how we think part of how we live part of how we behave as the holy spirit shapes and molds us and inculcates god's virtues into our lives and justice is one of those virtues aristotle claimed there were two kinds of justice There is distributive justice, which makes sure that the benefits and burdens are shared freely among members of their community. Everybody gets a right and fair proportion of what is available or of what is demanded. Not the 80-20 rule, 20% of people enjoying 80% of the resources or 20% of people doing 80% of the work. Everything is shared equally and fairly and equitably amongst members of a community and in the world as well. And corrective justice looks at situations where that's not happening and seeks to put it right. If someone is getting less than they deserve, or gaining excessive benefit at someone else's expense, corrective justice intervenes to rectify that. Or where someone is is carrying a disproportionate burden, corrective justice seeks to come alongside and ease that for them. And justice for Aristotle was about finding the middle path between disproportionate excess and disproportionate efficiency. Aquinas took up this idea and talked about justice being the constant and perpetual will to make sure that everyone receives their rightful due. It's about playing your part in making sure that people are treated fairly. At home, in our church, in our community, and throughout the world. And there are those today who would argue that our sense of justice Our desire to see things done right, to see that distributive justice, that corrective justice, where does that come from? People will say, that comes from God. After all, if we are merely products of an evolutionary process where all that matters is the survival of the fittest, why should we have this sense of right and wrong? Why should we have this deeply ingrained sense of fairness? Why do we get angry when that sense of justice is contravened? Why do we get upset when we see people being treated unjustly or unfairly? And there are those who would suggest with good reason that our desire for justice is part of what it means for us to be made in the image of God. It's instilled within our human nature. That's why we're happy to take Aristotle and and say, yes, he was right when he came to talk about justice because that is part of God's imprint on our lives that sense of right and wrong that sense of what is fair and what isn't fair that desire to see justice done that is part of what it means for you to be made in god's image and god is deeply concerned about justice he's passionate about it the hebrew word for justice comes over 400 times in the old testament cropping up more places in places like Psalms and Ezekiel and Isaiah. That's where the references are concentrated. And it's in Isaiah 42 that God presents his servant, his chosen one, the one in whom he delights, the one whom he upholds, the one to whom he gives his spirit so that he will bring justice to the nations. And God says, my servant will bring forth justice. He will not falter, he will not be discouraged, he will not stop or give up until he establishes justice on the earth. This is justice on a global scale. And the Lord says, looks around the world and says, the nations are looking forward to his law. The nations are anticipating his rule, his intervention with, with expectation because his law, his rule, his kingdom is characterized by justice and fairness and what is right and proper and equitable. Everyone is going to welcome the servant's legislation because everyone is going to recognize that his laws are good and right and fair. Everyone is going to be treated justly, irrespective of their nationality, where they come from, what natural resources they have at their disposal. The coastlands wait for his coming because he will bring justice. And it's not, first and foremost, a retributive kind of justice. The focus is not on the servant coming to punish those who've done wrong. Often, when we think of justice, that's what we think of. The ministry of justice is all about <coughs> courts and sentences and punishments and that kind of stuff. God's sense of justice is far broader and bigger and generous than that. The justice the servant brings will be characterized by healing and by liberation. It's a restorative kind of justice, it's the kind of justice that sets right what is wrong and heals what is damaged. It's a wholesome bringing of God's justice to the world. So bruised reeds will not be broken. Smouldering wicks will not be snuffed out. There will be a particular concern for those who are vulnerable or wounded or weak. The servant will bring light to the nations. Blind eyes will be opened. Captives will be released from incarceration. Those who sit in darkness will be set free. Where there is wrong, the servant comes to set it right. That is what God's justice looks like. And is God just? Of course he is. How could he not be? And if God is just, does he have a concern for injustice in the world? Of course he does. How could he not And if we are his people, if we are those to whom he has given his spirit, would he not want us to share that passion, that concern, to see justice done, to see people liberated, to see people healed, to see people resourced, to see people treated fairly? Of course he wants us to have that passion. And is there injustice in the world? Oh my word, isn't there just? One of the reasons why people struggle to believe in God is they look at the world and say, why is the world like this if there is an almighty God who loves us? And that disparity between our sense of justice, which is God-given, and what we see in the world, that wrongness, is why people struggle sometimes to believe in God. But the Bible's picture of God is very clear. God has a passion for justice. To see it done, to see it brought into the world we are the ones who do not share that passion enough because too often we are motivated by greed and self-interest and looking after what we have even if it means others are going out so when you open your eyes to the world and as you pray the lord's prayer and ask for god's kingdom to come and his will to be done where do you begin where do you stop the agenda is massive even worse in the past few years since the the, the pandemic, which widened the gap between the haves and the have-nots on a global scale. COVID-19 meant that those with immense resources were able to cash in on the pandemic, where those with limited resources lost what precious little security they had and it's the poorest who continue to bear the impact of inflation, who struggle to get access to education, who are denied access to health care. All of that is about justice. All of that is on God's agenda. The injustice of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and the knock-on effect in terms of Ukraine having been the breadbasket of the world, the price of fuel gone up, the price of food gone up, the price of fertiliser gone up, all of that exacerbating poverty people in north africa and the middle east particularly suffering food insecurity 49 million people in 43 countries are at risk of falling into famine or a severe hunger crisis action against hunger You factor in the impact of climate change on local agriculture and the result in 2023 was two million people being uprooted from their homes and becoming refugees. And the women and children among them being particularly vulnerable to trafficking and violence. It's all a matter of justice. Does it matter to God? You bet it does and it should matter to us in our prayers, and in our lifestyle, and in our actions. Tearfund have drawn up a Justice Charter which sets out 14 ways in which churches can respond to five key areas of global injustice and bring good news to a broken world. You can Google Tearfund Justice Charter and you'll find it, together with a set of five Bible studies you might want to do in groups, in your prayer triplets, or by yourself. And these, these, this justice charter will also feature in the material for reflection, which you will have access to or is available via the homepage of our website. But Tearfund invite churches to make 14 commitments. I'm going to run through them with you. Some of them will resonate with you, others you will think, mm, I'm not so sure about that. But actually, it's the breadth of God's charter of justice for the world. So firstly, we commit to living a life of justice, Seeking to do justice in the world through the ways we live and act, and by challenging systems of injustice to reduce inequality around us. And then, in terms of the next one, please economic justice. We commit to supporting entrepreneurship and the positive role of business to bring dignity, livelihoods, and to foster a flourishing society. It's about not giving handouts to people, but enabling people to become self-sufficient and to have the dignity and the capacity to earn their own living. We commit to being responsible consumers, asking the questions of how people and places involved in our food, clothes and purchases are treated, choosing to buy ethically, and calling on corporations to provide fair wages and just working conditions. If something is ridiculously cheap, who is being exploited so that you can buy it at such a low price? And we commit to calling on governments and corporations to cancel the debts of economically marginalised countries and pursue trade practices that are built on fairness and equity not trade practices that just bolster the rich West already. There's racial justice. We commit to eliminating racial disparities through launching or engaging with programmes in areas such as education, economic marginalisation, healthcare, employment, political representation and others. This is what mission organisations are doing in different countries throughout the world. We commit to fostering reconciliation where there are racial and ethnic divisions within our church and society to express the unity and diversity that belong together in the body of Christ. And we commit to calling on governments to eradicate policies that perpetuate racism through public and private institutions and to prevent the introduction of new policies to the same effect. And various aspects of the government's agenda might come to mind as you think about that aspect of racial justice. There is climate justice. We commit to preaching and teaching on the biblical basis with God's love for the whole of creation and our duty to respond to the climate crisis. God's love for the world that he's created and the knock-on effect for the people within it. And so we commit to investigating and reducing our plastic use and carbon footprint in any church buildings we own or use and encouraging our members to do the same at home. And we commit to calling on governments to take action and follow through on their promises to tackle the climate crisis and move to a greener economy that brings justice and helps reduce inequality. Aspects of government legislation may again come to mind when we think about that. Gender justice. We commit to promoting a liberating biblical understanding of the inherent worth and dignity of both men and women, and to practising the full equality and participation of women and men in all aspects of church and society. And we commit to challenging and condemning all forms of gender-based violence in the church and society and providing and advocating for the adequate provision of counselling, pastoral care, health care and criminal justice for survivors of gender-based violence. Then there's religious justice. We commit to standing in prayer with our Christian sisters and brothers who are experiencing persecution and with all those who are oppressed because of their religious beliefs. We commit to championing the freedom peace and reconciliation that Christ modelled. And we commit to calling on governments to eradicate policies that allow for the mistreatment and marginalisation of individuals and communities because of their religious beliefs and to prevent the introduction of new policies to the same effect. It's a comprehensive view of justice and I commend Fund for drawing it up. What we do about it as a church is perhaps a topic for a discussion of the church meeting what you do about it is for you to reflect on as you go home. Are there commitments or changes that you could make to begin to implement this agenda? What's all this talk about justice have to do with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ? Some of you, I think, can be assessing my orthodoxy here. I'm used to that, that's fine. But the short answer is everything. Because Matthew says Jesus is the servant of whom Isaiah spoke in chapter 42 verses 18 to 21. Matthew says, this is Jesus, here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out, no one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, a smouldering wick he will not snuff out till he leads justice to victory, and in his name the nations will put their hope. And Matthew quotes those verses and says, this, Jesus did everything that he did to fulfil what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Jesus is God's chosen agent for bringing God's justice into the world, for bringing God's justice to the nations, and he will do it. He will lead justice to victory, is the promise. Has he done it yet? No. he will when he returns in power and glory will he establish god's kingdom of justice in the world yes he most certainly will but in the meantime what does he want of us he wants us to share his passion for justice and as those who have been anointed with the same holy spirit with which god anointed him we share in that commission to bring justice to the nations we are the Lord's servant. God gives us as a covenant to the nations in the name of Christ. And the church, this community, it's the place where broken people are welcomed and restored, where bruised reeds are not broken, where smoldering wicks are not quenched, where eyes are opened, where people are set free, where wrongs are righted where God's justice is apparent in fairness and the way in which we treat each other, the way in which people are integrated, no matter what, their economic background or their racial background or their lack of resources or their abundance of resources, we are all treated rightly within God's church. But the church is also the base of operations to bring justice to an unjust world. And he commissions us to continue Christ's work in Christ's name with the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us, as we pray, as we work, as we campaign for justice. Looking for a world where people have enough to meet their basic needs. The kind of justice that rights what is wrong in the world. That ensures that people are treated fairly without discrimination. Dismantling barriers and structures that lead to inequality. Caring for the environment and doing this on a local and a global scale. God is passionate for justice. He calls (coughs) us to be passionate as well and that entails practical action. So in practical terms, what is God calling you to do? To pray. To give to mission organisations. To serve to change your lifestyle, to get involved in God's agenda for 2024. In this coming year God wants to use you to set something right that is wrong. And that might be something in your family, that might be something here in the community of Brighton Road, that might be something in Horsham, in the street where you live, something abroad, I don't know what God's specific agenda is for you But I do know that God's spirit is looking for people he can use to make a difference. And because you're here or you're watching online, you are at the forefront of of the list of people he wants to use to do that. It starts with us. It starts with each of us saying at the start of 2024, God of justice, here I am. I give my life to you for this coming year. Use me to bring your kingdom of justice into the lives and situations of others. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close by focusing on Jesus. Uh, our eyes turn from Christmas and the birth and the wise men. to to Jesus' ministry and uh, the difference he makes in the world. So we sing from the squalor of a borrowed stable. commend each other to God in the words of the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.